We live in a day when there appear to be many divisions in our country, and even in some of our churches. One of those divisions is found between generations. Too often the older and younger generations struggle to get along with one another, or even worse, they don't even try. And that's a tragedy. We hear of churches that are started by young people who want to break from the traditions of the past as if the older people are not necessary. We hear of churches made up of old people who don't want to have too many young people around trying to make changes. Maybe part of the problem with both is that the older people have not been teaching the younger people about the things that matter in life. And the younger people have not been listening to the older people. I've been coming to the realization that I'm no longer one of the young people in this world or in this church. Things come to me slowly, but they're here. I began, by the grace of God, formal ministry when I was 21 years old. I was a young man then, 44 years ago. I've recently been doing some reflecting on my life and some of the people who have made the greatest influences on me for the cause of Christ. And so let me briefly share some of those with you. I'm going to have a few of the pictures up for you to see of some of these folks, but not all of them. I couldn't even get pictures of all of them. When I was 11, my family moved to Forest. We were farmers. My parents began looking for a church, and we were invited by a fellow farmer to Timberlake Baptist. Pastor then was Elwood McQuaid. It was there under his leadership and preaching that I came to know Christ as my Savior and Lord. It was there that I was able to grow in my faith. It was there that God called me to serve him in full-time ministry. It was there that I was encouraged by him to go to Bible college and prepare for ministry. I owe so much to Pastor McQuaid. He's in his 90s now, retired, still living here in the Lynchburg area. When I was in Bible college in North Carolina, the Lord continued to bless me with some older people in my life. Some of my professors marked me in significant ways. Mr. Bollinger was not one of the best teachers that I had, but I will always remember how he spent time listening to me and talking to me and encouraging me. He was a dear, kind man who loved God and loved me. He gave me the encouragement I needed to go on to leave the comfort of living in the South and go to seminary up in northern Indiana. Mr. Bollinger went home to be with the Lord many years ago. During my last two years of college, the Lord opened the door for me to serve as youth director in a local church in North Carolina, about 70 miles from school. I traveled back and forth from college on Wednesdays and on weekends to be there and to serve. And there I served under one of the greatest men I've ever known in my life. My pastor, my friend, my mentor, John King, showed me what it meant to follow Jesus. He is still one of the best friends that I have on this earth. In that same church, I was so incredibly blessed by some dear country saints. Two of the older men, Jabbo and Graham, showed me how much God loves me by the way that they love me. They're both with Jesus now. In fact, it was just last month that I got word through Facebook that Jabbo had gone home. When I went to seminary in Indiana, I, also, I was also blessed with many world-class professors. 
Dr. Wayne Knife was maybe not as well known as some, and some didn't really connect with him, but he took me under his wing, gave me his time, his counsel. I could stop by his office, talk about anything, anytime. He's also been with Jesus actually for at least two or three decades now. My first senior pastorate was in Craig County, Virginia, just west of Roanoke. Uh, actually, I was a Virginia boy, native all my life, and I'd never heard of Craig County before that time. It was a good time, but it was a tough time. In the mountain areas, unless you're born there, you're always an outsider, no matter how long you've lived there. I owe so much to Bill and Dot Sullivan. They were an older, blind couple in the church. They only had high school educations, but their godly wisdom, their Christ-like lives, and love for their young pastor always kept me going. I miss them, but I know I'll see them again. They've also been with Jesus for many years now. My next pastorate in New Jersey was challenging and fruitful, but I needed an older man in my life there as well. I could call my friend John King at any time, but he was pastoring in West Virginia hours and hours away. Not far from me in New Jersey, though, was a man by the name of Russ Ebersall. He was a longtime missionary who was still serving in his retirement years in the home office of his mission. He graciously met with me every month or two for lunch and, and fellowship. He was the older man I needed in my life at that time. He's still going strong for Jesus at 93. There are others I could mention, including my dad, who I mentioned earlier, went home to be with Jesus 13 years ago. I miss him. I wish I could talk to him. I wish I could ask his advice about things. He was one of the wisest men I've ever known in my life. What a blessing God gave me. You know what, though, I've, I've recognized, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm an older man, and I have a great responsibility to be teaching younger men what it means to follow Jesus. I've always believed that I was responsible to influence those who are younger. It's why I spent eight years in youth ministry. I wanted to, even though I was young, I wanted to help those who were younger than I. And you know, the great thing about getting older is this. There are many more people who are younger than you the older you get. Many more people you can influence for Jesus. Being older, being retired, doesn't mean it's time to quit. It means that, you're, that you may even have more time now than you ever did before to pour into the lives of those who are younger. Listen, for those of you who are younger, you still have those who are younger than you that you can teach and touch for Christ. But you also have a unique opportunity to find those who are older than you whom you can learn from about life and love and following Jesus. As we look at Psalm 71 this morning, let's see what older people must teach younger people and what younger people must learn from older people. Psalm 71 is a psalm that has no author named, but it is clearly written by an older man who knows that life is not easy. He is still growing, he's still struggling, he's still fighting battles, but he does have some solid answers. 
There's some clear points that he makes in this psalm, but it so often happens with, with Hebrew poetry, and you've probably seen this as you read in the psalms and other poetic parts of the Old Testament. It seems like a point is made and then left and then comes back to and just kind of goes around in circles at times. I thought about that, and I thought that's kind of how it is and how we learn things anyway, though, or how I learn things. I need to hear them and go away from them and hear them again and then go away from them and have it come in from another angle and maybe finally it starts to connect a little bit. With that said, though, there is a general flow in the psalm and we're going to look to see this flow as the writer gives advice that involves looking back to the past, living in the present, looking ahead to the future as well. I want to share some lessons with you that I am learning. Listen, that I am still learning with you who are younger than I. I want you who are older to listen and share these same lessons with those who are younger than you. I want those who are younger to listen carefully because there are some lessons that are vital for your life that you need to be continually learning and that you also need to be continually sharing with others. First piece of advice is this. Depend on the Lord always. Depend on the Lord always. You see, the psalmist made it clear from the start of this psalm that his trust, his dependence was on the Lord. If you look back at verse 1 again, it says, in you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. When he said in verse 1 there, let me never be put to shame, he was praying that he would never be ashamed because of having a trust that was misplaced, a trust that was either in himself or in someone or something else other than the Lord himself. He knew he needed to guard daily against self-reliance. He knew that he could easily fall away from the Lord morally or spiritually, so he cried out to the Lord's help. This is, remember, an older man. So we can see in a few places in this psalm, we'll come back to that and we'll see that. Tim read a couple of the verses in verse 17 and 18 that made that very clear. But as an older man, he recognized he was just as much dependent on the Lord as any younger man would be. In fact, he probably recognized it more at that point than he had recognized it when he was young. Why could he depend on the Lord always for everything? Notice the way he describes the Lord in these verses. In verse 1, where he says, Do, uh, The Lord, I take refuge. The Lord is a place of refuge, a place of protection. In verse 2, In your righteousness deliver me and rescue me. He is a righteous God, a God who will always do right and always do what is just. He goes on in verse 3, he says, Be to me a rock of refuge or habitation. A dwelling place, a place of safety, a place of shelter. He continues near the end of the verse, he says, You are my rock and my fortress. You notice how he's getting personal here. He notices, notice here how the psalmist knows the Lord in a personal way. He is my rock, he is my fortress. The words used here, often the word used for rock here is a, is a, word that can be used for like a cliff, an ocean cliff that protects the land from the storms of the sea. The fortress here is a, is a word that's often used like of a mountain fortress, Masada. You've maybe, if you've been to Israel, maybe some of you have gone to a place called Masada. 
It's just taken directly from the Hebrew word meaning fortress. It's a place there that there's no good access to. A small army could stand up on top and defend against a far larger, far better trained army trying to attack. So what he's saying here is, Lord, you are my rock, the one who protects me in the storms of life. You are my fortress, the one that protects me against enemies that are far greater than I. Verse 4, rescue me, O my God. See again the personal relationship that he had? And he continues on in verse 5, You, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, or my confidence. His experience showed him over and over that the Lord always comes through and can be trusted. That's why he says depend on the Lord always. He was able to trust on the Lord because he knew who he was. Listen, he knew his theology. But he was able to trust the Lord not just because he was able to list these things about God, but because they were personal. He knew God. The psalmist had a personal relationship with the Lord. Do you? So why was the need to rely on the Lord still an issue for this old man? Trust is something that grows over time. Sometimes it's not as strong as it ought to be. The psalmist, as you read through this whole psalm, he was still having trials in life. He even had enemies who were attacking him. It was not easy. He remembered that he had trusted the Lord, though, since he was a child. Verse 6, upon you I have leaned from before my birth, you are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. He needed to continually come to the Lord. If you glance back in verse 3, you see it where he said, Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. He could recall his faith in his childhood, but it wasn't a faith that he could rely on. Yeah, you know, I trusted Jesus when I was six years old, and that's, that's all that's ever happened in my life. He needed to keep on going to the Lord for everything, all the time. Trusting the Lord, relying on Him, is not less necessary as we grow older. It may become even more necessary, or at least that we recognize it as being more necessary as we grow older. If you're an older believer, are you still fighting the battles of life, remembering that you must daily depend on the Lord? Are you sharing this with those who are younger? If you're a younger believer, you may know your theology, and that's great. But you may have limited experience walking with the Lord. Do you seek out older believers from whom you can learn how to depend on the Lord? Be sure to depend on the Lord always. So the second piece of advice that he gives in this psalm, beginning in verse 7, and that's this advice. Believe that God is greater than any troubles you may face. Believe that God is greater than any troubles you may face. The psalmist's life was, as we're going to see here, verse 7, it says, I've been as a portent 
or a sign or a marvel, different ways of translating the word, to many. But you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. This old man had seen plenty of trouble in his life. Looking at him, some would have been encouraged to trust the Lord as the one who cared for the psalmist. They would have seen the psalmist as a sign, as a marvel, as a, as a portent of God's providential care. Others would have looked and seen this same sign and chosen to see the troubles that he faced as God's harsh hand on his life and that he got what he deserved, that he was facing divine judgment and he deserved it. I believe from the psalm that he saw it the first way. He saw the troubles and struggles in life that he faced as the hand of a God who cared for him. He faced great trials. He didn't see them as signs of God rejecting him. He continued to praise the Lord instead. He had trusted the Lord his entire life. So now he asked the Lord, do not abandon me. Do not forsake me in my old age. An old, strong believer with a cry like that? Were there times when he felt abandoned by God? Probably. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like God is not listening, like he's not around, like he doesn't care? That's when we must hold on to truth, despite how we feel. God does not cast off his own. I didn't tell you about Quince and Mary, another dear couple in the first church in which I served in North Carolina. My pastor, John King, took me with him to the hospital to visit them as Quince was approaching the end of his life. I was not accustomed to seeing all the tubes and needles and other things that are common in hospitals, and I began to feel faint or worse. I sat down wisely, at least. I sat down. I figured that's better than falling down. Put my head down, and Quince and Mary look over. And they asked how I was doing. Are you okay? And I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, don't help, don't let me pass out now. These dear folks, Quince is almost ready for death. And these folks are more concerned about me. They and so many others. God's been a long time ago. Continue to teach me that God is greater than any trouble I face in life. The psalmist faced some very real troubles. Verse 10, look at it. My enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there's there's none to deliver him. He had enemies who believed that God had forsaken him. They attacked him, seeing him as helpless and hopeless, No one would come to his aid. No one could come to his aid. There are times when you may feel under attack and people will not understand your love for Christ. The psalmist expected God to come through for him, though. 
pick it up at verse 12. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. May my, my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. He cried out to God for help. And he's saying, oh Lord, help and hurry. Please hurry. He expected God who was righteous and just to help him because he knew that God could not be unrighteous or unjust. Surely God would deal with his enemies. Let them be put to shame for placing their trust in their own strength, in their own wisdom, in their own self-reliant ways. What they wanted to do to the psalmist would instead come back upon them and fall hard. God would righteously judge. So he was just going to continually continue to hope and praise the Lord more and more, as we saw in verse 14. I'll hope continually. He knew the Lord was the answer for every trouble that he faced. He would wait confidently, expectantly for God to work. He would not give up. When things became tough, he would praise the Lord even more. So what kind of trials and troubles are you facing are people attacking you for your faith? Have, how bad are things right now in your life? Is your God bigger than any of the troubles you may face? It may not feel like it. Others may tell you that must, you must find your own way, or they may even say there is no way out, but you need to hold on to what is true. God is greater than any trouble you may face. Third piece of advice he gives. He says, talk about the good things God has done. Talk about the good things God has done. I think about that and what the psalmist is doing, and I think about all these people I've mentioned to you, and every one of them, no matter what was going on, this was still happening. They were talking about the good things. Look at verse 15. He says, my mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. He knew that God had done many good things for him. In fact, the Lord had done so many good things, he couldn't count them all. When was the last time you stopped to count your blessings? You thought of some of the big things that are going on, and then maybe you spent a little more time, and you thought of some other things, and then you stopped and thought, oh my God, there's so many things that you've been doing for me. I don't even know all of them. I'm unaware. He had to tell others about what God had done. He wasn't ashamed. He didn't feel like he had to whisper these things to just a few people. He was excited about the things that God is doing. And remember, he was excited in the midst of all of the struggles and trials he was going through. Psalms talked about God's power, verse 16. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. He recognized the power of God at work in this world and in his life, and he knew he was responsible to remind others that God was not a powerful tyrant. He was powerful, but also righteous. Do you notice the word there where he's talking about, I will remind them. 
You know, some people, and I mean, it's great to learn new things. Sometimes even we as Christians is like, just show me something new. Tell me something I've never heard before. I want to learn something new. Psalmist wanted to remind them of what they already knew. Do you like reminders? I often tell people, I don't mind, you know, some people are afraid to remind someone lest they offend them. It's like, what's the matter with your memory? I always tell people, I don't mind being reminded of anything. I may remember it. I may not. That's fine. Remind me. We need reminders of the things that we already know, even more than we need to be learning new things. We are so blessed. We know so much. We've been taught so much from the Word and preaching and Sunday school and, and many of us through many years or many decades of life, things we've learned. Maybe many of the things we've learned we just need to be reminded of once again. His reminders were focused on God Himself. He desired to impact the next generation and pass on the things that the Lord had been teaching him since his youth. Verse 17, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. He recognized how the Lord had been teaching him for his entire life. If you notice in this psalm, he had learned a lot, but he was still learning. And some of what he was learning was the same lessons the Lord had been teaching him since he was a child. I mentioned Russ Ebersole earlier in the sermon, the former missionary that I knew when I was a pastor in New Jersey. I was in my 40s when I asked to meet with him so I could learn from him and have his help just to grow in the Lord. His reply was this, yes, Steve, I'll be willing to do it on one condition, if you'll also share with me and help me. And my initial thought was, well, that's easy. There's nothing I can teach him, so easy to just say yes. I got nothing. Such a godly older man, but sure, okay. And I don't think I even fully understood it at all then, but I, I kind of do now. I kind of understand what he meant. You see, I'm continually learning and being reminded of the powerful, righteous goodness of the Lord, even by those who are younger than I. It's great getting to work with Reed and Tim and see them all the time, and I learn things from these guys all the time. Psalmist wanted so badly in his older years when his hair was gray to continually share with the younger generation the wondrous deeds of the Lord. He asked the Lord, do not abandon me, but allow me to go on telling generation after generation about how great you are. In the midst of trials and struggles and even persecution, he wanted to continue to tell the the next generation and the generations to come of the greatness and goodness of God. He says God has been good in the past. He is right now. He will be in the future. He doesn't give up. So listen, those who are older, tell your children, tell your grandchildren, tell your great-grandchildren, 
Tell the children of our church, the teens in our church, the younger adults in our church, that Jesus Christ was faithful and strong in your life in the past, that He still is now, and that you know He will still be in the future. Psalmist knew there was no one like God. Verse 18, he says, Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? Do you believe that? Then if so, we need to share it. He's righteous. He's powerful. He does wondrous things. Give Him the glory as we talk about Him with others. Talk about the good things God has done. Even when life's not going so great. One last piece of advice. That's this. Look for better days ahead. Look for better days ahead. Picking up in verse 20, we read this. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again from the depths of the earth. You will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. What is he saying? He's saying the current troubles you're facing, they will not last forever. The psalmist was not waiting for good times to come to tell others of God's goodness and greatness. He was going through some very hard times in life. Some of you are as well right now. Some are currently facing maybe sickness, maybe some facing betrayal, maybe loss of a loved one, loss of a job, maybe a relationship that has gone sideways. Bill and Dot Sullivan were not only blind, but they lived in a rented small house where the floor was not even level. If you dropped something, it would roll to the other side. They had few material possessions. Their health was failing. It would soon be time where they would have to go to an assisted living facility. Before doing so, they had home health care come in. One day the lady came in and offered to help uh, Bill and said, you know, Mr. Sullivan, would you like for me to cut your hair while I'm here? Do you remember the picture of Bill Sullivan that was up a little earlier? Bill had, at most, tiny wisp of hair, like just sort of around the edges here. Bill's reply to her was, if you can find it, you can cut it. He had the best sense of humor and the most godly life of pretty much anyone I've ever known. Still praising the Lord, not complaining, knowing that better days lay ahead. The psalmist knew that he was not going through hard times because God had forgotten him or somehow left him. In fact, he saw the hand of God in his troubles. Did you see it in the verse there? As we looked at it in verse 20, you who have made me see many troubles and calamities. It's like they didn't just happen and the Lord go, well, you know, that's just life. It says, Lord, in a sense, they came from your hand. 
He also knew that the Lord would not let his troubles go on forever. He would revive him or bring him up again. He wasn't pretending that everything is fine right now. He was confident, though, that everything would be fine. The Lord would honor him. The Lord would cause his greatness to increase. The Lord would comfort him, verse 21. It's great to know that when Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to be our comforter today. When we reach heaven, we'll find our greatest comfort, no doubt, but even now we can find the comfort that comes from above, even in the hardest of times that happen right now. So as we look at that, as we, as we think about the better days ahead, what do we do now? I think what the psalmist did, we just enjoy the Lord and the life he's given us now. Verse 22, I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed. Don't wait until heaven to enjoy life and enjoy the Lord. Let's keep our attention on him and his blessings and enjoy him now. The psalmist here is praising the Lord with harp and lyre and with voice. He knows that God is faithful. He knows that what God says is true. You can always count on God to be true to his word, even when it doesn't feel like it. If you have a relationship with him, he will never break that relationship. So are you a musical person? Use your voice or use your instrument to praise the Lord. I don't play any instruments. I've tried guitar a couple times and a tin whistle along the way, and I get to a certain point, it's like, okay, I, I don't know what else to do from here, and I just quit. But that's, the reason is this. For decades now, I've wanted to play saxophone, but I know I'm not going to take the time to do it. But I'm, I'm looking to have the gift of saxophone playing in heaven. I, and it's going to be as better than Kenny G. <laughs> if you don't know who he is, he's not a believer, but just go home and listen to his music. <laughs> listen, even if you don't sing well or play an instrument, you can still praise the Lord. He knows that God is his God, oh my God, verse 22. Do you have a personal relationship with this God? the God of the universe, the God who gave his son Jesus Christ to die for you, do you know him? The God who is the Holy One of Israel, the God who is still holy today. He's a joyful person, this psalmist. Able to be joyful, even in hard times, shouting, singing, coming from the inside out, it doesn't mean he always feels happy. He has a joy or a happiness that's there, though, because of the Lord and who he is. And so he can't be quiet. Verse 24, my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. Good times, bad times, he talks about the Lord and his righteous help in his life. The enemies who had hoped that he would be ashamed of his faith would be ashamed because they had placed their faith in something or someone besides God. 
Listen, the challenge is clear. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? Are you sharing these truths with those who are younger than you are? Don't wait until you completely master them yourself. I've heard people say in the past, you know, you can never preach something that's not, that you haven't really mastered yourself. I'd have probably never preached anything. I'm not exaggerating. No matter how old you are, you're still learning these things. What things? Let's go through them again. Number one, depend on the Lord always. Two, believe God is greater than any troubles you may face. Three, talk about the good things God has done. Four, look for better days ahead. No matter how old you are, you can be sharing with some who are younger than you. If you're a younger person or a younger adult, do you have someone in your life from whom you are learning? We all need those who are older than we are pouring into our lives. So how can you do what we've seen this morning? Let me just give you some practical ways that might help you. Number one, pray and ask the Lord for someone who is older and someone who is younger than you. You need somebody older in your life, but you also need to be the older person in someone else's life. Number two, approach those people and ask to just spend time together. They might think it's strange. Whatever. They might not. Number three, be sure you're in a Sunday school class where you can share and have others share with you. Some of it goes on there. And fourth, consider becoming part of a small group this fall where young and old can be together and help each other become better followers of Jesus Christ. These are all some just simple practical things that, that you can look at and consider doing. So what are you going to do with this challenge today? If you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, then don't you want to help others know him too? And if you don't know him, listen, why not come to him today? The best advice, the best advice, better than all of the rest of these, actually going probably back to the first one, depending on the Lord, you need him in your life. Probably older than like more than three-fourths of you in here. So let me tell you, those who are younger, you need him. No better advice, no greater advice that I can give you than to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Those who are older, if you still don't know him, take some good advice from a young guy. You need him too. Let's pray. Father, seal your word in our minds and hearts and wills. Change us today for, because of what we've heard from you. In Jesus' name, amen.